0: Hello. And welcome to Beyond Top 10 Tennis. My name is Dr. Ashley Morgan-Burge, and I'm your host. I am the author of 12 books, a CEO of 12 years, the founder of a startup set on data privacy, most importantly, an elite performance coach of over 18 years, having worked with athletes throughout Europe, the United States to Australia. And of course, most excitingly, I am the world's leading scientist on coach and athlete performance are specifically behind how to develop a top 10 tennis ranking. My work includes everything from mitigating injuries to conditioning behaviors that set a player up long-term for the long game towards a top 10 tennis ranking. I'm behind theories from the optimal performance theory, optimal behavior for optimal performance, the barrier breaker, the rule of transference to the golden rule. As has become custom, each episode we dive into one of my books to share additional insights and dig a little bit deeper. We've been focusing on the secrets to optimal coaching success, the role of experience, optimal performance practices and outcomes in the real world with over 60 episodes now to date. Today's topic plays its own role like so many other episodes in developing the player, parent to coach for that road ahead towards a top 10 tennis ranking so as always buckle in and enjoy the ride Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you could hear my excitement in the intro changing from 11 books to 12 books. It is now official with this is our first episode since the release of how to develop a top 10 tennis ranking and I really hope for those of you who have been listening for some time now that you did appreciate the release on the 12th of the 12th given that it is my 12th book release and I am buzzing. I am incredibly excited but um, it is a little bit surreal because those of you who are familiar, um, our episodes are recorded slightly in advance which means the release date for me um, as um, I'm recording is just around the corner. Though when this obviously comes to air, it is here um, on the 12th which is really exciting and this is is our first episode as I've shared after that so whether you are familiar or, or not for those of you who are new um, it is available so how to develop a top 10 tenants ranking is here and I really encourage you as always if, if you are new to backtrack and catch up on at least a handful of our previous episodes to really uh set the stage for where we're going and of course for those of you who have been with us some time now thank you so much from the bottom of my heart i really hope um you've been enjoying um beyond top 10 tennis and how far we've come but most importantly and excitingly that you've been with me every step of the way in this respect since the launch of beyond top 10 tennis in getting um how to develop a top 10 tennis ranking over the line to launch to release um, so if you haven't yet you can get your copy directly on ama international or head on over to amazon irrespective of where you're based in the world um, you will most likely if you're based in the states to europe or around that geographic and get it a lot sooner. Um, In contrast to us posting it directly from Australia. Obviously, if you are based in Australia, you're listening from Australia, um, you choose. Um, What I'm most passionate about Is that it gets to you and with two weeks now until Christmas that is super exciting Um, for those of you who are into the festive season I will definitely put my hand up to say yes I am and I did promise that it would arrive in time for Christmas you've got two weeks ample time um, to get it so Whether it's directly from AMA International or Amazon or similar retailers, you will get it in time for Christmas, which is what I was hoping for. And more importantly, enough time to read up on how to develop a top 10 tennis ranking before the 2024 season kicks off, if you're a fast reader. Uh, But there are really some key takeaways and snippets there to look at especially when we're looking at uh, the season which is really a matter of weeks away and I wanted to take today's um, episode um, or to give some time to sharing additional insights now that you either have the book, um, it's on its way um, depending if you ordered it straight away um, or it's there to be ordered and one of the biggest insights is that Um, we're all familiar now with the byline that it's the power of the eighth key and recall um, the seven keys to optimize your life which is in a manner of speaking the pretext to how to, to develop a top 10 tennis ranking as it really um, uses that as a springboard in a manner of speaking to really show how all of these keys come together and we also outlined why there are keys in the first place why this language if you like is shared in or by this design, because believe it or not, it all actually feeds back into a learning framework, which I haven't discussed until now, which is really exciting. And this is where um, the science comes in, but more importantly, a lot of um, frameworks get really wrong because they're not leveraging the signs in this respect. So I think it's really important to touch on that is when we're looking at signs it's not just a thing from some common perceptions where it's under a microscope for example. Um, Science comes in many shapes and forms. Um, Quantitative data has been shared over the last uh, let's say eight years now quite extensively with over those 150,000 inferences which a lot of you if you're familiar with this work you are familiar with that as well. And this is the first release that shares the qualitative side, which is incredibly exciting how they work together because we had to merge two fields, which is not essentially or back then wasn't as commonplace, even maybe as now. But that's what we had to do to achieve this incredible endpoint. And by incredible endpoint, I mean using scientific rigor and lo and behold, this is an incredible outcome. Now, it's really important here for me to emphasize, I think, my coaching background for those who maybe aren't familiar because there are, whether you're on social media or another platform, there are a lot of, I think, coaches over different, I think, skill sets out there. Um, I would encourage you though, to head on over to AIM International, look up Dr. B and my background is there. It's completely transparent, especially over the last, oh, I wanna say uh, 18, 19, 19 years now, yes, Uh, which is incredibly detailed but we're looking at um, just as a ballpark you've got level ones two threes in australia and overseas it's a different system but it goes um, one through five whereas three and five are uh, synonymous they're just on different scales in this respect so i've been a level three coach now for over almost 13 years in this respect Um, I got my level ones and twos when I was still in my teens because um, it was something quite innate and I do discuss this in detail in other areas and I won't go into that now but I obviously did my undergraduate degree which whilst it wasn't let's say related essentially to tennis it was a springboard for my masters which is um, explicitly in sports coaching Now, a lot of uh, tennis coaches will either be that one or two, um, if if it's that three scale system or, you know, one, two, three, four on that five scale system. And even if you are that three or five respectively on those scales um, and you have an undergraduate degree, you're in a a pretty good position. But that doesn't mean you have a master's explicitly in sports coaching. Now, if you do do that, that, that's a pretty good tick. You have a very um, healthy understanding because we have to put things into perspective. And saying a certification here whether it is that up to one or two or three or or to five it varies from a matter of months to a year it's not an extensive three four year undergraduate degree or that one two two year postgraduate degree for example and on top of that is my doctorate so my phd and for those of you who are not familiar this is actually explicitly what my doctorate Was in and or about which is essentially unheard of Um, because of my love for tennis and my extensive background I wanted to unravel not specifically how to develop a top 10 tennis ranking this was a bonus it was specifically to do with um, the technique technical uh, let's say implications that are mentioned throughout my books which I don't necessarily, I think, verbalise or share. Though when we're looking at this, uh, I think, this landscape essentially, or what began began to unravel in this context was the associations, the assimilation, the correlations with the data, with specific technical implications, technical movements, technical parameters that I was um, conscious of that, were not um present in any uh coach education resource so which means any framework that did a level one two three or that one through five did not have this type of information no um text had this information no book had this so essentially what i was uncovering was in was new it did not exist in the world as we know it which is incredibly profound which meant i was behind developing um a new technique more than on one occasion that again was not heard of, it did not exist. It was pulling together all of this data to say, if you move in this certain way, if you hit a ball in this certain way, this is not only good for your mechanics and your technique and your performance but the best part is if you continue to do it over and over and over again there is actually a direct correlation with achieving a top 10 tennis ranking that is how i think exciting it is so we pieced it all together and when i say we i mean um, with the data and the data is that extensive in this way and unfortunately this is um, misunderstood a lot because we have a lot of coaches out there who do not have that tertiary background so when the word science comes up that they fear it they don't understand it so they run away from it and say no I'm right And I'm really trying to put this, I think, especially in perspective for the players to parents and guardians out there. If you're a coach that understands, obviously, science and how it works, then by all means for you too but it's so important because there are so many uh, techniques out there that are still used that cause injuries. So this actually feeds back into mitigating injuries as well. And so this entire pathway that we talk about, that's covered over these uh, 10, 11 now texts specifically in tennis with my 12th text, obviously it was actually my 11th was my first fictional release. But what this looks at is this feeds back now to that learning framework that I hatched on so when we're looking at the learning framework we have to consider how a child learns to how an adult learns and how we can learn a new skill how we can we can condition a new skill and there's all these little tweakings here because we've got different personalities whether you're an introvert whether you're an extrovert how that obviously triangular relationship works that coach athlete relationship works how that coaching pedagogy works there's many many moving pieces and what your current ranking is how do you get from this ranking to the next ranking etc certain in cycles of peak performance different progressions different regressions that we've touched on in oh, all of our pre many of our previous episodes I won't say all but this is all built into the books um and, and how it's structured is because we know when we're looking at um how someone learns which really pulls from communication literature um, to uh, education literature it's sports science all of the different moving pieces and i say literature which probably i think maybe might not be um mainstream in this respect it's very scientific jargon but what i mean is that the information the information that is out there so the entire knowledge base of the world if you want to think it's facebook encompassing all of the knowledge in the world this is new so facebook does not have it. it it is new or twitter does not have it instagram does not have it the social they don't have it um, open ai actually does not have it it's not available yet uh, chat gpt they do not have it they do not have access yet which is a bit ironic because we know that the um, AI, how it's been feeding into different resources, gathering information. So I think it's an exceptional example by saying, irrespective if OpenAI or ChatGPT has access to all the knowledge in the world, I mean, not at this stage, but it's getting there, it actually does not have access to this because it's new. It's new scientific information, new um, coaching information, new player-specific performance information. Now, the the downside here is that when I go to share um, how a player can optimize their performance, um, more often than not, it is um, sadly ignored because they don't understand Um, the science, and or they think that because a woman is telling them, then I'm not going to listen, which I know is very shocking. And I'm sharing that, yes, this still happens. And this is not all the time but it's still does. and there's actually a chapter in the book dedicated to this unfortunately tied in with i'll call it ageism that because um no i am not um a, you know an older male um who is more commonly associated with being a tennis coach it's very stereotypical or there's a stigma there Um, it doesn't necessarily draw the parallels now hopefully there are a lot of you shaking your heads or raising your eyebrows or you're in shock and yes even with everything I've accomplished behind me unfortunately this still does happen so I think I'm using this, um, I think, opportunity in a way to say, everything that has been built has, is there to help. Everything that um, Ama International has built is there to help. All of these 11 texts are here to get you to that end point, which again is a world first it's something that has never been available before in the history of tennis and the most exciting thing and I've touched on in previous episodes is that there are Olympic correlations because what this book essentially does it teaches you not just how to become a top 10 tennis player but how to stay inside the top 10 And that is where the 8% comes in, which um, aligns ironically in a really good way with the 8%. So it's a point of recall and there is a a method to the madness, so to speak. And what comes into that is that we know that 92%, which is staggering, 92% of active players and coaches do not know. And you might say, hey, I know, I know. And I'm here to say, well, no, the the data actually says, not me, the data, the scientific data says this. Now, if you don't understand science and data and how it works, I really would encourage you to just refresh, upskill in this respect. Because when we're looking at data and science, it is not biased, it is objective, it is data in its truest form where you are removing the subjective so you're removing someone's opinion and the best part is that this data is actually based on ATP tour coaches and WTA tour coaches and ATP and WTA tour players inside um, the top 200 in the world specifically the top 100 in the world with direct correlations with the top 10 players in the world over a period of time and I'll call it a longitudinal analysis that has since been um, conducted um, within I think um, this this time frame so over the course of these texts which ranges from an 11-year period through to that 8-year period. So it is actually quite extensive. Now, you can use obviously data in different ways, shapes and forms. Now, um, current players on the ATP or WTA tour use uh, data in different ways so specifically from a percentage point perspective where is my opponent let's say hitting the ball most of the time what are their weaknesses how can i use my game to a detriment etc so data in that line now in this light, we're switching it in a manner of speaking so we're not putting the focus on your opponent. So for the player, what this actually does is that it amplifies your performance. So if you're able to ingrain these specific technical parameters they're referred to into your game, you're amplifying your performance. Now, if you're able to build the optimal coach-athlete relationship, you're amplifying your performance. If you're able to, for the coaches out there, learn what an elite coaching pedagogy is you differentiate yourself from good coaches to a great coach so you're looking after your side we're ignoring the opponent you're looking after your side so what happens when you look after your side you become one of the best in the world and the rest essentially looks after in in itself because when your performance is able to reach that level we know um, scientifically speaking which is in the real world so I really need to run that home that this is on real players and real coaches real data real information real statistics and it doesn't really get any more real than this so that allows you then to in a manner of speaking look at where you, where and or how you're going to beat your opponent a lot more easy a lot more uh, r- readily able to more capable because when you're able to transition your game from good over to great if we're saying a top 10 tennis player is good but harnessing the eight percent it's great that is an incredible shift because when we are looking at the top echelon of play, so the top 10 players, the best players in the world, being able to maintain a ranking inside the top 10 is incredibly different to becoming world number two or world number one. And that is also incredibly different from winning a maiden Grand Slam and very different too to what we've termed as replicated success so winning two or more grand slams now if you are familiar with our text we have uncovered all of that i have uncovered how what you need to do to win your maiden grand slam what you need to do to achieve replicated success now all of this ties in and this book how to develop a top 10 tennis ranking brings it all together so to date over the past eight years um, since these publications have been released it has steadily been teaching you what you need to do what you need to implement into your game if this is new is this all is completely new for you this is where the current text that we're talking about uh, the secrets to optimal coaching success comes in because over the next six to 12 months your challenge is then to read each of these uh, 11 texts then because when you read them from beginning to end you there are a complete learning structure which means um, think of it as primary school and or high school um, depending where you're based obviously in the world um, and, and the terminology there But what you're doing is you're you're starting at level one, going all the way through to level 12, in a manner of speaking. Because for players who are say ranked in the top 50, top 30 in the world, the first initial texts are going to be very easy to get through. However, you're going to have these new insights to be able to integrate new practices, just like Beyond Top 10 Tennis has been sharing. If however, you are that 12, 13 year old aspiring to become a top 10 tennis player, you wanna spend a bit more time on those initial texts, maybe two to three months each, really solidifying. And so take your time because it sets you up for that initial 10 years of play that we've touched on. Now, for the coaches out there, if you have a player within this demographic, then you want to take your time. It's throughout the entire 10-year pathway. So look at it as a cycle where you're building those new peak performance cycles over and over again. Now, this is where it's incredibly important for me to circle back and say, yes, yes. I am a scientist but I'm also one hell of a coach because I had to use my coaching expertise to fine-tune well no I'll, I'll, I'll track back I had to use my coaching expertise to note that this did not exist in the literature I had to use my coaching expertise to go well these players are getting injured how do we stop this I had to use my coaching specific expertise here to go This needs to change. How can I optimize my players performance even more, even more so the athletes, the players I've been working with or was working with at the time. I was implementing these key practices with them and their performances were absolutely exceptional in such a minuscule time frame. And we're talking a matter of days to weeks working with me to optimize their results. It's absolutely sensational. No other coach I've come across has been able to achieve that. And that is how it was a it was a trajectory in a manner of speaking that I had to. I had to do the hard work to pursue my master's and then to pursue my doctorate to get this out there and unfortunately it was I think the trajectory I had to take or I was forced to take as that young woman uh, at that time I was still in my head as a young woman to be able to say well this is what needs to be done this is what players need to do because unfortunately believe it or not yes I was in my early 20s at the time Do you think um, the older males were listening to me? Of course they weren't. Um, Do they listen to me now? No, not really, that has not changed. So, but that is why I'm here because it doesn't matter if they're not going to change, you can you can for the players to the parents to the guardians out there you can for the coaches out there who are more open-minded who understand and appreciate um, the scientific rigor behind this you can you can harness these tools to take your player and or players towards the top hundreds to the top 50 to progress towards the top tens the difference because typically we have so many coaches out there who say they know what they're doing and their players suffer because we've got so many players who plateau whether it's at top 300 top 80 and they wonder why they are not progressing what is missing from their game compared to a top 10 player what's missing from a top 20s players game to a top tens players and this is this is the best part we it's it, that fine-tuned and it's it blows my mind in the best possible way because as far as I'm concerned it should be in every single coach education Um text and or resource that should be accessible to every single coach and player and parent and or guardian around the world universally because that is also what this latest text does. How to develop the top 10 tennis ranking shows and unravels a universal um, coach education framework where these texts need to be endorsed and encompassed if we're looking at building the next generation of play. However. If they are not, that's okay. Because if you're listening, that means you have access to become privy to the next generation of play, because this is where the data is heading. This is how we know. So for example, we know why Djokovic is still inside the top 10, why he's still number one, why he's able to hold onto that ranking over and over again. We know. We know why El Caraz got there incredibly quick. We know why Cinna was able to beat him. We know, for example. We know why Swiatek has been able to reclaim her position um, as the number one in the world. All of this feeds back into the framework, so it's not shocking. So, recall obviously, we've touched on predictive analytics and how this obviously feeds into it most exciting though how to develop a top 10 tennis ranking it doesn't even um, leverage predictive analytics it's right there for you really sharing what specifically needs to be done when we're looking at developing that top 10 tennis ranking because it is absolutely possible okay i think that it was a, a really good i think insight on i think where we've come from where we're going Please, I would appreciate your support immensely um, with ordering, purchasing the um, how to develop a top 10 tennis ranking would absolutely mean the world to me. But we want to focus now on the secret stop from coaching success as promised, because today is a really important topic that actually in an ironic way feeds back into how to develop a top 10 tennis ranking because believe it or not we have gotten all the way to chapter three which is on left field indicators of progress so if you want to follow along that's on page 85 but we're going to head straight to the first segment which is on finding your feet sporting strengths and I think when we're looking at sporting strength This is absolutely one of my favorites, because typically we're looking at most players um, favor their forehand and or backhand ground stroke. I'm gonna go out on a limb here that most players early on typically favor their forehand ground stroke. And the best part is that all of this work that I've been sharing and discussing was initially based on the forehand ground stroke. And then over the course of the past eight years, we found new markers, new identifiers we will refer to them as that allowed us to assimilate to go this is actually in sync with or aligns with and or in parallel with and or in conjunction with the back and ground stroke and then we started to analyze also the back and ground stroke and these key uh, technical aspects to these key uh, patterns of play and we're able to build a unifying framework that not necessarily merges them but says if you apply these technical parameters to your forehand and your backhand so your ground stroke overall it also optimizes your performances so it's not one or the other it's actually both which means you're more able to amplify your game uh, weaponize in a manner of speaking when we're looking at the tennis got almost out of, as a combat sport uh, obviously non-physical where you're able to really amp up your game you go how do I amp up my game or I'm already doing it but no, this is something that we we know. And then again, the data says only 8% of players do this. Now, that means 8% of players, they might forget or they might have a little bit of a blip and that is where the change happens. That's where the 2% in the top 10 will get into the 8% and or the 2% inside the top 10 will be replaced by new Um, hopefully that's making uh, sense here so what it's really saying is that we know how to push players outside the top ten so they lose their hold on the top ten and then we also know how to maintain that ranking inside the top ten So for a bit of fun today, I thought I'd look at the WTA and ATP Tour rankings to touch on some key players who've been able to maintain their hold. Now, we're looking at key players here. Um, On the WTA Tour, we've got Swiatek, uh, Sabalenka, Golf, Ribikina, (laughs) which is exceptional, and Vondrasova, who are all Grand Slam champions followed by Krejcikova, who has now made it inside the top 10, seven grand slam champions inside the top 10 is absolutely phenomenal. I am not sure there has been a point in time in the last decade where you've had 70% of the top 10 players all with a Grand Slam that is incredibly dispersed however Swiatek is the only player here with multiple Grand Slam championships which again really underscores the importance of her number one ranking. Although key players here who do not have a grand slam, we can look at Pagula, Jabir, and Makova. Makova and Jabir have made the finals. Pagula, however, has not made a grand slam final, but she recently made the season ending finals. Now, when you're looking at this caliber of play inside the top 10, that is actually incredibly phenomenal for that dispersion of play. Now, In contrast, we can look at the ATP tour. We've got Alcaraz, who has won a Grand Slam, obviously, and Djokovic, who is quite a number. Medvedev, yes. And then we go all the way down and we go, oh, that's it. We have one, Djokovic, two, Alcaraz, three, Medvedev. No other player inside the top 10 has won a grand slam. Now, this is an incredibly distinct difference. Of course, Sin is getting close, Rublis is getting close, Tisipas has made a grand slam final, Zarev has made a grand slam final, and that is where that's it. So, 50% of players on the ATP tour have made the final of a grand slam or higher. Now recall uh, previous episodes on gender interactions. Now, when we're looking at the caliber of play on the WTA tour to to the ATP tour, it is without doubt the caliber of play inside the top 10 on the WTA tour is exceptionally high. Now, when you're looking at the ATP tour, 50% of players uh, have that capacity to make a final, but the other 50% are not able to maintain their level of play, and that is the key indicator, if they're able to maintain that level. And unfortunately, that is not the case. Now, this is across the board, although typically this has progressively been changing. Now, the argument could be, well, Djokovic has been winning many 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 grand slams and I can say you know what of course he has been but that does not excuse any of these players from consistently making a grand slam final and you've got 50% of players inside uh, the top 10 on the ATP tour who are not making grand slams finals, which is really important, I think, to underscore and emphasize. I am very sure in the, in the, this 2024 coming season, there are at least two players here. Uh, specifically, I will say Sinner and Rubleb primed for that Grand Slam final. And Rune is on the edge of that as well. Fritz is a maybe, depending on his consistency. Of course, every single player inside the top 10 here has the capacity to win a grand slam however they do lag behind because when we're looking at the WTA tour we've got Swiatek, Sabalenka, Goff, Rubikina, Jabir, Vondrasova Makova and Krejcikova, who have either won a Grand Slam or made a Grand Slam final. Sakari and Pagula are the only ones who have not made a Grand Slam final which is really important because even though I've mentioned Pagula making the WTA finals Sakari her level of maintenance has been relatively quite high and her performance historically over the last couple of years at Grand Slams so rightfully so is her hold inside the top 10 though we do have players who have been regressing outside the top 10 and or hovering outside the top 10 but we're looking for those key performance indicators and what they need to do to maintain that level of play. And so the same applies on the ATP Tour. More often than not, the likes of, I will use examples from Rubleb, um, Rune, Herkax to Fritz are not able to maintain that level of play throughout the season. Those who are closer, um, no doubt, to number one but when we're looking at Djokovic, Al Medvedev, and Cinna, they are the forerunners. Although Cinna, obviously, has not won a Grand Slam he is however on the precipice definitely on the precipice which is very exciting and I'm going to say on the WTA tour Swiatek is on the precipice of another maiden championship but I'm not going to use today's episode to share predictive analytics for the Australian Open because typically um, I do not share what I've just shared I normally dive a bit deeper but this really is to give additional insights specifically when we're looking at finding your feet and sporting strengths and how these key players have found certain strengths but how the preceding 10 books to how to develop a top 10 tennis ranking sets the scene and allows the coaches out there to underscore why these players to understand why these key players are able to make Maintain they hold inside the top ten and or why these players inside the top ten have not won their maiden Grand Slam Championship um, and I say this over and over again each episode if you want your player to win their maiden Grand Slam Championship and you're unsure please reach out but I will touch on that a bit more later what I really want to emphasize here is that it's so important to recognize the number of players on the WTA Tour winning Grand Slams. It does not mean one player is not good enough to win them all, like the argument could be for Djokovic. No, it's because the level of play is that extensive and that high the caliber is at it's dispersed. On the ATP tour the level of play of course it's very high but it's only being dispersed between say four to five plays in contrast to the, those eight plus players on the WTA tour which is incredibly important to underscore and remember all right if you want to follow along today when we're on finding your feet sporting strengths we're on page 90 so i'd really like to share additional insights and and just pull out some some key parts here to be mindful of and they they might may very well draw back here Okay, here we go. The younger child is, the more likely their parents will encourage them to partake in more than one sport. Sports allow children to play at their freest and ablest without limitations or restrictions, unless enforced by the coaches. The most precious time of this play is that it allows children, irrespective of age, to find their feet, to experience their likes and dislikes, what they enjoy playing and what they don't really want to play anymore, a decision children innately are able to make through their experiences. This is is awesome because it really underscores play and the importance of having fun and experiences which directly fades in uh, and fades back so it's a We'll circle back to how to develop a top ten tennis ranking. Fun and play is absolute. If you lose that drive and that passion and joy, and we do see that for top ten tennis players, which is a cause for regression, and it is not the fault of the players. It means that something just is not right within that coach athlete relationship, which means that once potentially uh, elite coaching pedagogy is no longer, it is an optimal coaching pedagogy but is no longer elite if they are still inside the top 50. if they obviously regress outside then they no longer have that optimal and or elite coaching pedagogy and when we're looking at the word pedagogy it can get quite complex but it's essentially embracing everything you need and now you've got the seven keys plus the eighth key um, which is now accessible so If it includes all eight keys, you have an elite coaching pedagogy. If you have seven, not eight, you have an optimal coaching pedagogy. If you have your player that you're able to maintain inside the top 10, inside that 8%, we know with the data that you're privy to an elite coaching pedagogy. However, if your player regresses outside the top 10, we know there's been a blip. So there's something that has been weakened, that is something that has not been attended to and or has become excluded from that coaching pedagogy. So it is incredibly important that works in tandem with a player's uh, performance. Now, this obviously wraps back into experience and whether you are privy to the seven keys and or eight keys and or if you're missing a key, we know the differential. So to learn what those keys are, the, the initial seven, that's where the seven keys to optimize your life come in. And then to learn how to unify them to develop that top 10 tennis ranking explicitly is where how to develop a top 10 tennis ranking comes in. Because all eight keys are absolutely essential to be able to not only just hold on to that top 10 tennis ranking, but it's a springboard to winning that maiden grand slam. So, five players on the ATP Tour plus inside the top 10. Have not made um, or secured their maiden Grand Slam championship, and all that that final. And for the WTA players, you've got two top ten players which is absolutely incredible because it explicitly shows the differential there between the eight percent and the two percent which is a very big secret here because how what is the differential here between eight having won a grand slam and or making the final of a grand slam to those two that are yet to make a grand slam final and there is a very key differential here and it obviously aligns with not only their specific performance to their um patterns of play but also um, their coaches, their coaches uh, specific pedagogy um, in practice and and what's missing but it also sets the foundation for the year ahead. Now we have key markers that actually I've touched on sets Bagula up for this 2024 season. There are also key markers here that we've got Krejcikova for example back inside the top 10 after she slightly regressed. Is she going to continue to progress? You've got actually players who have slightly been regressing inside the top 10. Now, I won't name names here, but we know for for a very good fact that 2% of those players are going to be outside the top 10 within the next 6 to 12 months. They will no longer be in which means we've got another 2% uh, percent who are going to crack into and make their way inside of the top 10. ATP Tour players, 50% are yet to make a Grand Slam final, which is very concerning when we're looking at comparisons, but in, in the lightest possible way, because of course they are all exceptional in their own right. So what we're saying is that five of those players they're missing a very key ingredient here a key ingredient to push their levels of play that bit further to make it to grand slam finals and to win their maiden grand slams and we know with these keys and these these data how and the best part is is that obviously if they get over the line and they win their maiden grand slam they are further solidifying their place inside the top 10 but the longer they leave it and they're unable able to make that final and or secure their maiden championship the more likely they're going to regress outside the top 10 and that will be replaced by that new 2% to grab a hold of the current 8% and they're the ones in line for those maiden grand slams to achieving replicated success and it gets very detailed and complicated but hopefully you can see that I'm incredibly passionate about it because there are grand slams for all to go around around in the, in this manner or in a manner of speaking and or to to reach your maiden green slam final okay a little bit more on this chapter here we go through experience we all um, are afforded the opportunity to know knowing our wants clearer to explicitly feel if this is right for us in that we enjoy it rather than it being more arduous than enjoyable allows us to make these decisions therefore the decision-making process begins at a very early age where sporting choices are just one of many choices children are exposed to at a young age uh, I'm going to wrap that this chapter up on that. And obviously, I've only dived into the very beginning. So if you want to find out more on finding your feet and sporting strengths, I really want to encourage you to complete this chapter because it's, it's really important. But on that, on the, the bit about knowing and the choices, that's really where we're at conditioning athletes and players now to make the choice whether you want to learn the seven keys to eight keys and if you want to be informed to begin to learn I think the power of science just like here and now in a very simplified way as the secrets to optimal coaching success begins to share because then what happens over the next uh, Five, six, seven, eleven releases is that it gets a bit more complicated over and over. Um, not necessarily intentionally, but it's the nature of science, but it's also the nature of learning by teaching you step by step um, the initial, I think, baseline, those foundations. And then how do you reach that next peak performance cycle? Well, we need a little bit more work and it's going to get a little bit more complicated complicated but not too much complicated and then the next we're going to move the dial and shift it a little bit further to not only optimize your performance that much more but we're considering um, your ability to learn and as you're aging as well you're getting older whether you are that uh, teenager moving towards that young adult and or you are only beginning to learn around say sports sciences biomechanics technical implications at uh, learning theory uh, human behavior uh, psychology uh, there's all these different fields in there um what I think theory is, what a hypothesis is, what a statistical inference is, very slowly and progressively, because these are very, I think, complicated terms to dive into head first. But once you're able to understand and ascertain, we know that the greater your level of understanding, it also is assimilated with your levels of performance. Because we want the player and coach to learn and to know, and that is why we take this uh, one through 11 approach to get to how to develop a top 10 tennis ranking because it really starts with your choices here and it really feeds back into whether you are a child or a young adult here or an adult for a matter it really comes down to those choices and the ability to know so you get to make the choice here if you want to know or you don't want to know it's really simple in the best possible way away and when we're looking at the, the framework here um how to secure that top 10 tennis ranking how to explicitly develop that top 10 tennis ranking we have all these moving pieces along the way but the best part is uh text 1 through 11 and obviously my latest release It guides you each and every step of the way towards how to develop a top 10 tennis ranking. Really hope you enjoyed today's episode. Um, I do confess though we did miss out on one key part, which was that humanized approach. And I think if anything, how to develop a top ten tennis ranking really embraces the humanized approach in and of itself because it's the top ten, the top eight percent, the top two percent, and it actually is assimilated with life, which is really exciting. Look to grab your copy of the secrets to optimal coaching success and to that key chapter today because it's really powerful head on over to aimer international and to grab your copy of my new releases this is the first time I get to share this so I'm so excited how to develop a top 10 10 ranking you can find it on aimer international or head on over to Amazon irrespective where you are based in the world you will get it in time for Christmas if you're ordering um, I think now and or in line with the uh, give or take a day or two when this episode obviously is out so if you're listening please and if this episode has just come out order and you'll get it in time for Christmas and or get it in time for the 2024 season For any comments or questions, head to AMA International or Topic Thread, the social platform set on data privacy. To interact with Beyond Top 10 Tennis, head on over to Twitter, Threads, or Instagram. To catch up on our weekly coaching tips, head on over to TikTok. And to catch up on our blogs, head on over to Aimer International and look for our blog tab or head on over to Medium. And as always, I'll leave all of the links in the episode notes. For something different, head on over to pink octopus books that's where my fictional release is or to view this week's question and poll be sure to visit spotify if you're listening on one of the other many platforms for something left afield, field visit sprook for some random polls and of course if you enjoyed today's episode please subscribe like share and all the above would be absolutely phenomenal For those of you who are interested, we do have scholarships available on AIM International as well as options to work with me exclusively to optimize your performance and to nudge you closer towards that top 10 tennis ranking explicitly. So don't be shy. Come and say hi. And I'm looking forward to it, especially with the release of how to develop a top 10 tennis ranking. Please reach out. On that note, thank you so much for listening. I'm so incredibly grateful. I am your host, Dr. Ashley Morgan Burge, and this is Beyond Top 10 Tennis, and I'll see you next time.